Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. I've been working on some things. After the conference, I'm going to start a series on Sunday morning called The Great Stories of the Bible. We're going to go and look at some of the great stories like Esther and Ruth and Nehemiah and uh, Gideon and... I've got a whole bunch of them. And then on Wednesday nights, we're going to go back into and study the basic doctrines of Christ, things that we all need to be very settled on in this day and hour. That's our foundation. That's what the church is built on, is those six basic doctrines of Christ. And within them, to have knowledge of them gives you security, not only only here on the earth in anything that you're going through, but also it removes, that's what removes that fear of death that the world lives in. Because I tell you, I heard a story, uh, a guy was telling, a guy I listened to his teaching a lot, and he was pastoring a church in East Texas, the oil field in East Texas, and one of his, actually his Sunday school stu- superintendent fell down through the, through the rigging of a, of a, you know, down the derrick and hit the ground and just everything was broken. Everything was, you know, he was just a mess. The doctor got there and basically said, well, you know, if we move him, if we put him in the ambulance, it might kill him, you know. And, and of course, the wife was there, the pastor and his wife were there. And so uh, they, they put the, the man in an ambulance and the pastor got in with them. They t- off they went to the, to the hospital and the, and, the, and the guy was just dying for three days. And this pastor just kept praying over him and pleading his cause and, you know, telling him, Lord, I, I need him. If I need him, you need him. And, and so, you know, uh, the third day, the guy just came out of it just like that, just miraculously. And so, you know, uh, about a year went by. And the tradition of those uh, Pentecostal churches back in the day is, all, especially on Wednesday nights, they always had testimony service. So this guy got up and he said, first of all, let me just say this. He said, uh, don't ever feel sorry for anybody that dies. He said, don't feel sorry for him. He said, I, I never remember falling. He said, all I remember is I woke up, and he said, I'd never experienced such peace before. And he said, as things begin to clear, I begin to see I was in heaven. And he said, you know, uh, he said, there's no way to describe what I saw, what I felt. Uh, He said, the whole, he said, because just of that right there, he said, you should never, ever feel sorry for anybody that dies. He said, they literally go right into the presence of God, just like that. And he said, as he was standing there, Jesus walked up to him, and he said, he, he fell down at his feet, and, and he said, Jesus just picked him up and looked at him. He said, now you've got to go back. And he said, well, I don't want to go back. He said, you've got to go back. He said, you've, uh, you know, he, he said, he reached over, he said, pull back like a veil, and he said, there's that pastor walking the hall out there in that, in that, uh, uh, and that hospital, and he said he wouldn't let him come back. He says, uh, you can't come back because uh, uh, Brother Hagen said he's not going to let you come, so you got to go back. He said, next thing I know, I woke up, and I'm laying there in the hospital, and he said everything in my body was totally healed, just, just like that. So, you know, I'm telling you, you know, th- th- this message that we preach has a whole lot more to do uh, with, with the eternal reality than just, you know, trying to get a bill paid or get some sickness off your body. Listen, we're, we're dealing with things that are, that are so far beyond the scope of what our mind can grasp. And, you know, when you, when you pray in the Spirit and when you study the Word, you, you, you begin to get little inklings of how big it really is. And I'm telling you, the best and the greatest is yet to come. Ephesians 4, real quick, we've got a few minutes we can teach the Word here. I want to stir you up tonight right before our... Our conference, Ephesians 4, 4. Now, there is one body, everybody say one body. body. 
one spirit, even as you are called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of us all, who is above all, and through and in you all. But I like verse 7, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, each and every one, this is in Ephesians 4, verse 4, 5, 6, and the first part of verse 7. Every one of you, every one of you are, you are a possessor of a gift. You have in you. Number one, you have the gift of salvation. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's, a, it's an amazing study in the Word of God of how uh, they used to go and cleanse the temple with blood and so that they could bring the sacrifices in and offer them up to God and the priests could go through their, their, their ritual and their ordinance. And all of that was a precursor to the last time a priest would enter into a place like that and that was Jesus going into the Holy of Holies. But instead of cleansing a temple that was made with man's hands, he was cleansing a, an eternal temple that's in the hearts of men and women. And because that, listen, because that temple is cleansed, the very Shekinah, Spirit of God, abides and lives in you. Now, now, the problem that we have, if you just had one little constant feeling of that, you know, you would you'd be unstoppable. You'd be totally unstoppable. But for whatever, uh, in, the, in the providence of God's mind, for whatever reason, God did not allow us to live in this dispensation by that feeling or any other kind of feeling. We're called to live by faith. Called to live by faith. Amen. But on the other side of the coin, there is the Holy Spirit. And the reason I want you to see this scripture is to understand that, that, that God is a unique being in that he has the ability to manifest himself in three different distinct entities. Now, it's not that hard to grasp if, if you just think about yourself. You've got a body. Did you ever know your body has a mind of its own apart from your mind? You ever, you ever notice that? Your appetites, all kinds of things, you know, sleeping. There's all types of things that are unique to your body. And there are, there are also all, all kinds of things that are unique to your mind. If you just stop and do a little personal inventory, you see that you are also a being that has three separate and distinct entities to it. You can't divide them like God does. You're all in one package. But the thing about it is you are a spirit you have a soul, which is your mind, your emotions, and your will, and you live in a body. And every one of you have had times in your life when you were keenly aware of one or the other. But God is our Father. He made us in His likeness and image. Now, the Father, He sits in heaven. He has already laid all of this out. I know there's a lot of, you know, uh, it came out of the old German theology of over 400 years ago of the predestination, thinking that God has predestined all this stuff to happen. There is a unique reality to predestination, but it does not include the individual experience. You say, what do you mean by that? There are things that God has done in the sovereignty of predestination, but any whosoever that calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Amen. And in those that are saved, the Bible says those that are born again, those that are now in the family of God, they are predestined to be made in His image. So anybody can have that. Anybody can walk in that. A lot of theologians over the years have got that greatly wrong by thinking, well, God chooses one, but not this one, but that one, but not that one, but that That's not, that's not the predestination of a sovereign God. Right. Amen. Amen. 
And the Father has worked all of that out. That's why we always say two words God never says is uh-oh. You say, why? Nothing surprises him. Amen. Then there's Jesus. Now, now, when I get in, I begin to meditate on Jesus. I'm fascinated by him. One of the things that fascinates me is knowing this. If I had a travel mode, if I had a way that I could actually go and explore the universe out there in the, in the regions of, uh, of the unknown, somewhere out there is a physical human body. A physical human body that's inhabited by God. That body would have holes in its hand. That body would have scars on its head and its side, holes in its feet. But it's out there somewhere. Jesus is God bursting into the sensual realm, sensual, sensual realm into the realm of the senses. People say, well, well, God doesn't know how I feel. God doesn't know how I think. Yes, he does. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly how you He knows what it's like to be hurt, to be offended, to be rejected. He knows it even more than you would ever know it. Amen. And he is also in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He is our advocate. He's also an intercessor. But he is the one who bears the mark of the covenant. The blood of the covenant, his own blood, is on the mercy seat of God. And he's the one that stands before the Father for you in order to get to you everything that he has purchased through his blood. But then we have the Holy Ghost. Now you need to get to know the Holy Ghost. It is a challenge to have a personal relationship with the Spirit of God. It's as much God as God is God. It's not you got, you know, the A God, the A team, and then the B team, and then this, oh, wait, well, the Holy Ghost. No, no. I like what one preacher said. Somebody asked him one time. He said, have you ever seen the Holy Ghost? He said, oh, absolutely. And the guy was shocked because he had a real religious mind. He said, you can't, you've never seen that. He said, I've seen the Holy Ghost. He said, when have you ever seen the Holy Ghost? He said, every time I read the Gospels and I see Jesus, I see the Holy Ghost. When I see Jesus, I see the Father. When I see Jesus, I see the Holy Ghost. See, you've got, you've got to understand they're three in one, but they're distinct entities. And what the Holy Ghost is, oh, I like this. He is the facilitator of everything the Father has dreamed for you, everything the Son has purchased for you. He is the facilitator of it. He is the one who by your faith brings it to you. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So no wonder the devil for over 2,000 years has done everything he can do to fight any move of the Holy Ghost because he knows what the Holy Ghost does is the Spirit of God brings out of the unseen realm into the seen realm that which Jesus has purchased for us on the cross. For the, for the one that is lost, he brings salvation. For the one that is sick, he brings healing. For the one that is poor, he brings blessing and prosperity. For the one that is oppressed, he brings deliverance. He brings it into the manifestation realm. He brings it from the unseen seen into the scene so it can be experienced. Amen. The gospel is not just designed to be proclaimed. Yeah. Let me say that again. The gospel is not just designed to be proclaimed. If all it was done, if all it, now, now, I mean, a lot of people right now would butt heads with me over that. Anybody, any denominational preacher, students in seminary right now, a lot of people say, no, 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 no. All Anything that would matter. God can do miracles. God can heal. God can do this. God can do that. But whether he ever does it or not, well, that, that, that's up to his own sovereign will. But his own sovereign will was established in the Word. And the unique attributes of the Holy Ghost assure us that if we become students of the Word and if the Spirit abides and if the Spirit empowers, there's going to be some transactions take place. There's going to be someone facilitating 
some impartations that could radically change your life, that could radically change your health, that could radically, radically change your marriage, that could radically change your finances, that could radically change everything about you, but you have to be willing, you have to be willing, you have to be submissive, and you have to desire to have that happen. And there should be a great desire in every Christian to know more of God. That's been one of the great, greatest quests of my life, not to see how much money I could get or how many nations I could preach and how many people get saved under my ministry. I, I want to know God. I, I see that in the Apostle Paul. At the end of his life, he, that I might know him, he's talking about Christ because he knows everything the Holy Ghost is facilitating is that which Christ has purchased. So the Holy Ghost is not here to speak of himself or to make himself big. He's here to get in a relationship with you in order to reveal Christ to you in a greater measure because the more you know about him, the more you know about you, and the more you know about you, the more you're able to tap into the power of the Holy Ghost so that he can facilitate and bring into your life the manifestation of everything that Jesus has purchased. Amen. Come on, church. Now, Go to Acts chapter 2 real quick. We got 10 minutes. We can do this. We may take 12. <laughs> hey, I bought a new watch just so I could look at it. <laughs> Y'all heard that. What does it mean when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. The Word of God from the beginning reveals the personality traits of the Holy Spirit. We already talked about Him being a facilitator. But now also in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, uh, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. And the Spirit of God did what? It moved. Everybody say moved. Now let me say something. The first revelation we get of the Holy Ghost, He's moving. And there's no scripture in the Bible that says that he quit. There's no scripture. Now somebody may try to bend one, twist one, or do that. I'm telling you, there's no scripture in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit ever quit moving. So one of his personality traits is activity. Everybody say activity. Where the Spirit of God is, there's going to be some activity taking place. Amen? Now secondly, we know in Acts chapter 2, we'll study here in just a moment, when the Spirit of God came pouring down into the church in Acts chapter 2, filled them all with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. What happened in that experience is what was active became tangible. Everybody say active. active. Tangible. Facilitator. facilitator. Active. active. Tangible. Facilitator. facilitator. Now that's the Holy Ghost. Now not only does God want you involved in that which is active and tangible and being facilitated in your life, He wants you to know He wants you to experience that so much that He didn't just trust to put the Spirit in you, He put it in you and on you. <laughs> oh, if you could only get a hold of that and realize that not just salvation, which is the abiding spirit, but receiving the Holy Ghost in baptismal measure is the experience in which the Spirit of God does what? Facilitates that which Christ has purchased because Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And when you speak in another tongue, it touches the sensual realm. And that touching of the sensual realm is God, again, bursting through. Just like when Jesus showed up in the manger. There's God. He's in the manger. There is Jesus. Amen. Nobody would have said, well, that, 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 that baby's going to be the Savior of the world. Now, there was a couple of people that knew that. But most people just looked at it like a baby. 
And what, what wisdom God has. What wisdom. See, if you do a little world history study and go back and look at all the, all of the, even, even, into, even in this modern time, but all back to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, even up into Jesus' time, the Greeks, the Romans, all these ancient, ancient world dominating governments. Every one of them were demonically inspired, ruled over by a demon power, trying to emulate and imitate that's what Jesus would do one day, which would be to reign and rule on the earth for a thousand years. They were looking for world domination, and many of them got it. Rome, Rome ruled the world. Uh, uh, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, uh, the Greeks, the Medo-Persians, uh, uh, there was all kinds of them that actually ruled what they knew as the world. Down in the modern time, that's exactly, that's exactly what Adolf Hitler tried to do, was to produce a thousand-year Reich. See, that's the imitation. The enemy's always trying to imitate God. But see, he was expecting God to come back to the earth with this great army. That's why he kept building these societies. He kept building these ancient societies that had thousands and even millions of soldiers because he thought, if I can get enough men, if I can get enough, if I can get enough equipment, if I can get enough uh, a known ability in warfare, then when God does show up with this army, I'll be ready to fight him. And God snuck a little baby right under his nose, just like he did in Egypt, which Moses was a type and shadow of Christ when he was thrown in that river right under the enemy's nose, and he was raised in the house of his enemy in order to defeat him. <laughs> Glory. Then his purpose was what? To restore the union between God and man. God had, a man had lost that union in the garden, but God wanted to make sure creation was subject to the fall. He wanted to give us something that was not subject to the fall. So by the word of God, which produces faith, we are saved. And in salvation, here comes that same spirit that is God himself. He didn't trust it to an angel. He didn't trust it to any other entity. He only trusted himself to abide, and he only trusted himself to empower. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now quickly. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Here we come, here we come again, a bursting into the central room. Suddenly there came what? A sound. Everybody say a sound. Yeah. Now sounds are unique. Sounds are audible. Sounds are part of our sensual system. There's a, what is it, a, a hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, see, thank you. Five senses. So one sense right there is stimulated by God. So, well, if I could ever hear God. That's what God sounds like. Amen? Bursting into the central room. Here comes God again with a sound, a sound of a rushing mighty wind. I heard an old preacher say, he said it sounded like a 747 landing in downtown Jerusalem. Amen? A rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house. Notice it didn't say filled them first. It filled the house. Satan has been working overtime for 2,000 years to keep the Spirit of God out of the house. Amen. We so take it for granted, church. You don't know how much. Last year, I remember after our Fall Harvest Conference, one particular pastor that was here, it was his first time here. And so the, the, the Wednesday night after the service, we were out at my house fellowshipping for a few moments. And he just came to me. He said, you know, I don't know how to explain what I've experienced this week. His church is much larger than ours. And he said... Uh, he said, first of all, he said, your drummer actually sings. <laughs> I said, yeah. 
he said, I, I, I've never seen drummers. They just sit there and kind of play like, you know. I said, there's such a presence in your church. He said, from when we, we, we drove in on the parking lot. He said, you could sense the presence. We walk in through. See, now the th reason you don't sense it like they do is because you live in it. But I tell you what, if you ever get out of it, you'll know it. If you ever get out of it, you'll know it. You ever get somewhere where it's negative, where it's all messed, you'll know it real quick, and you want to get right back in the presence of God. Amen? So it filled the house. So that's one of the things. Listen, I don't really, buildings are fine. Thank God we'll build a building, all that kind of stuff. But if the Holy Ghost is not there, I'd rather meet under a tree. I'd rather meet under a tree where the Holy Ghost is moving than I would meet in the most beautiful building on the United States of America. Because without the Holy Ghost, it's not the church. If it doesn't fill the house, what are we doing? Filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, now notice them, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all, now notice the word all, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice, this is the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God. There appeared unto them cloven tongues. It sat what up on, indicating that this Spirit in baptismal measure, no, He's already in you through the new birth, but He comes in that baptismal measure to what? To come up on you for service, to empower you. Amen? You say, what do you mean for service? To live a life that glorifies God. Where in everything that you're involved in, in in life, God has a part of through the Holy Ghost who is the facilitator. He's active, he's tangible, and he's facilitating everything that Christ has purchased for you so that people may see the glory of God in you. Amen. You can't see the glory of God in a beautiful Ephesus. Ephesus? Edifice, sorry. <laughs> I was in Ephesus earlier. In a beautiful edifice, in a beautiful cathedral. We've been in some of the most beautiful. I mean, I've been in churches that just rock now. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Some of those old Catholic uh, uh, cathedrals that are in Ireland. Uh, what's the one in, in Double Christ Church? It's just absolutely awesome. I mean, the architect that's in the, 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 the stained glass windows are just mind-blowing. I mean, they're unreal. The, we, one church, it wasn't, it wasn't, when we first went in it, it just was not that cool. It's, it's where they have the head of Oliver Plunkett in a jar. And so they figured out they better remodel the church and build him an altar. So they did that. Spent uh, 7 million euros on the altar and about 15 million euros restoring the church. And that's all about, oh, let's see, 7, 20, that's about $30 million. Amen. And it's just, I know it's, it's, it's very kind of almost gaudy, but when you look at it, the effort that went into that, you're like, oh, my God. But if the Holy Ghost isn't there, if the Spirit of God, religion can be there, good philosophy can be there, some encouragement. But if the Holy Ghost is not there, He fills the house, then He does what? He comes on the people, on the people, in such a way in which the representative of how He comes on the people is described to us as what? Fire. Everybody say fire. 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 Say fire. fire. Now fire, controlled fire is the most powerful thing we have on this earth. Uncontrolled fire is the most destructive thing we have. Amen? I, I mean, uh, you're, 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 this, this, uh, this unit here that I have on my, on, my, uh, on my belt has fire in it. There's an electrical current. There's a battery here. And that battery is producing a spark, which is causing all the transistors into this thing to work so that my voice can be amplified. Same thing is going on in the, in the lights. Same thing is probably going on your computer, your phone, whatever you're, whatever you're looking at if it's technical. Now, your car, when you get in it, you start a fire. 
Did you know that? You have a, a, an internal combustion in, except for Tracy. <laughs> no, you do. You still do. That electricity is a fire. And I'm telling you, electricity, electricity has always been here. It's always been here. But the Karanko Indians do not use it to cook their dinner. You say, why not? Because that fire had to be assimilated, amen, had to, excuse me, had to be gathered, had to be assimilated, then had to be distributed. See, God's presence, he's all everywhere at all times. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. But that omnipresence of God had to be what? It had to be gathered, it had to be assimilated, it had to be transmitted, and when it got transmitted, it showed up as what? It showed up as the fire of God. I literally, I've heard several preachers say this. He said, God gave us electricity to show us what the Holy Ghost looks like in the spirit realm. And if you've ever been in a smoking service where the Holy Ghost is moving, you've seen some fire. Amen. And that fire came down to what to do what? Now, now, just like in the natural, any part of your body that you get fire on will act independently of what you think. Did you know that? You can think anything you want to. You're, you're, if you, now, I did that. I actually proved this one time. I was in the, the, the Royal Rangers. Anybody know who the Royal Rangers are? I was a Royal Ranger. Uh, we were out on a camp out in Conroe, and I thought I was going to be cool and show everybody how cool I was. So I took lighter fluid, and I soaked this hand with lighter fluid, and I lit it off. And I stood there for about three seconds like this, like I was cool. Then my hand began to operate without the thought of my mind. The fire... Had ex the fire had extinguished and used up what I put on it, and it started looking for an alternate source of fuel. <laughs> and when it when it did that, my hand did this. <laughs> but when the fire of the Holy Ghost fell, they what spoke. Somebody going to see this tonight and it's going to change your life. When the fire fell, they spoke. When the fire fell, they spoke. When the fire fell, they spoke. The only person ever did that on planet earth was Jesus. You got Jesus speaking, anointed by the Holy Ghost, Matthew chapter 3. And when he spoke, they said this. They marveled at how he spoke. No one spoke with what? authority. What did it look like in the spirit realm? It looked like fire coming out of him. When he said to devils, come out, they came out screaming. When he said to leprosy, be gone, it was gone. When he said to storms, be still, what was that? That was the fire. That was the energy. That was the Holy Ghost facilitating what was said. Not with some religious idea, but with power. That's what the Bible says, that our faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but in the what? The power of God. Amen. And when God fills you with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God comes up on you, it affects not your hand, not your feet. Your tongue catches on fire. And you, can begin, and you begin to speak. Now, here's the controversy. 
People say, well, I, I, I don't like speaking in tongues because I don't understand it. No, you don't need to understand it. We can tell you all everything about what you're doing. You're speaking mysteries. You're praying the will of God, all of that. But here's the thing you need to realize. Your tongue has been disconnected from your intellect. It's been disconnected from your emotions. It's been connected, disconnected from, it's been connected from every other communicative source. Anything trying to communicate through you, it's been disconnected and it's been hooked to your human spirit. It's like two battery cables on each side of your tongue going right down to your human spirit and boom when that happens you speak how how you speak in the tongues of men and angels and what are you doing you're speaking that fire is coming out of you I'll tell you it scares the devil to death I'll tell you it does nothing intimidates that we there there was a a, a missionary that came to uh, Lakewood Church when I was going to Bible school there he was a, a missionary to the uh, what do they call the guys in uh, in Alaska the native people no, there's another name. Eskimos. He was, a, he, was a, he was a missionary to the Eskimos. I was thinking Eskimo pie, trying to think of the ice cream, yeah. And uh, he had a guy with him who had been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost for several years who used to be a medicine man for the Eskimos. And he was in all, into all kinds of witchcraft, all kinds of stuff. His father... Actually, it went back like four generations. Grandfather, great-grandfather, his, his, his grandfather, his father, now him. Now him. And as a young boy, he was probably 17, 18 years old, he was learning this craft or this, this it was basically just giving yourself over to a devil is what it was. And they learned how to uh, 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 leave their bodies. And they would go to other villages and put curses on them. Curses so they couldn't have food. Curses for this, curses for that. And he said, at one time when they were doing this transcendental, whatever it is, and they were going to this village. He said, I saw a house and light was beaming out of the windows. And he got back, they got back home and got back in their right mind, I guess. And he asked his father, he said, he said, I saw that house beaming with light. Did you see that? He said, I saw that. He says, what is that? He said, that is a particular type of Christian that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't go anywhere near them. Amen. Well, that, that freaked him out. He thought, if there's people out there more powerful than me, I think I'm going to find out about them. And that put him on a quest. He ended up getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Did you know, when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in other tongues, that's exactly what's going on. There's light just beaming out, just coming out of you. There's light, there's life. You're praying the Word of God. You're praying the will of God. You're doing kingdom business. Listen, you are shaking. Literally, the other night, I was praying and I was reminded of something. Remember when, remember when Elijah sent his servant out to Mount Carmel? He sent him seven times and said, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? He came back that seven times. He said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And when he said that, he said, take off. He said, I hear the abundance of a sound of rain. Well, he didn't wait for it to start raining. That's not what faith does. All he needed was just one little sign. I was in Nicaragua, in Managua, Nicaragua. We were fixing to go to, to the church to hold a meeting on Sunday morning. And we experienced a 6.5 earthquake. And before it ever hit us, now that was the most unusual sensation I had ever, I mean, if you've got faith in anything, it's in the ground you're standing on, you know. I mean, that's pretty solid right there, you know. And so, but when that starts shaking, it's pretty weird. It's a pretty weird, weird sensation. But before the ground ever started shaking, I heard this. And it was a sound that I'm not unfamiliar with. It sounded like if you've ever been around the ocean in a place where there's some big waves and they break like way out on an outer reef. I, I, I heard this in Hawaii. You'll hear them go, 
and you know something's coming. You know something's coming. I mean, just you can hear it out there. Next thing you know, those swells are coming right at you. That earthquake, I could hear it. I thought that sound that sounds like waves at the beach. I could hear it. It was way down the road, and it was coming. It was coming, coming, coming. And all of a sudden, the, the, the missionary's wife ran out and began to take all the, all the paintings off the wall because it would have shook the paintings that had fallen off the wall and broken. But I heard it before it ever got there. Then when it got there, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was, that's exactly what I started hearing the other night in prayer. I started hearing that, and it's coming. Everybody say, It's coming. It's coming. You say, what is it? What is it? Well, we'll know when it gets here, but it's going to be the Holy Ghost. It's going to be the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, let me close with this. Oh, man, I went nine, nine minutes over. Here's what I want us to do. Everybody stand. Stand if you will. Just for a moment here. This is the initial infilling. I wanted you to see that tonight. This is the Holy Ghost. This is God himself, not an idea of God, not a, not a, not a speculation about God. This is God himself in person. Now, this is what's unique, too. He's going to abide with us how long? Anybody know? Forever. That means forever you're in union with him by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit. So there's the first infilling that took place. But just a couple of chapters over, if I was to continue to teach, we go to Acts chapter 4. Man, there had been some persecution that had a great miracle. The religious crowd got all stirred up. I mean, right off the bat, there began to be opposition to this. We don't want this. Religion, we don't want this. Governments, we don't want this. We don't want this. But they prayed. They weren't afraid of religions or governments. They wanted to obey God at any cost. They'd watched him die. And they'd watched him rise from the dead. And they weren't about. Listen, it was the, many of the commentators I read after Talk about the 12. Of course, we know Judas was taken away. And who was it? Matthias that came in as the 12th apostle of the Lamb because he was also one that was with them at all times. So that was a legitimate thing that happened in Acts chapter 1. But all of them's ambition, desire, and do you know what it was? Do you know what it was? Was to die like Jesus died. To be martyred. Most of them were. Most of them were. And that is what they wanted. They wanted to glorify God in their death. Peter would not even allow them to crucify him straight up. They said, put me upside down. Literally, that's how powerful it was in their life. That's how strong that spirit was in their life. Well, they, they're the former house. We're the, we're the latter house. And the Bible says the glory of God will be greater in the former house than it was in the latter house. And here's the thing. They begin to pray. They got together, said they came into their own company. And they begin to pray, Lord, behold their threatenings. Behold their threatenings. But with signs and wonders, grant unto your servants boldness. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders. Signs and wonders is what got them in trouble. And now they're asking for more. And God gave them more. But then the Bible says at the end of that prayer they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, one would argue, well, wait a second. Wait a second, Brother Rusty. What, weren't they filled in Acts chapter 2? Yes. But it shows us there is an initial infilling. Then there are subsequent refillings. That's why Paul exhorts us to be what? Filled. That, that's daily. Every day. Every day. And listen, you go two, three, four, five days without praying in the Holy Ghost, you go a week, two weeks. I guarantee your spirit, the, the spirit part of you will begin to weaken 
And your flesh and your mind will begin to dominate. Those other parts of you will start to dominate. But if you continually put yourself in a position to be refilled, just like going and filling up your truck or your car, I like to keep mine on the full side. I don't like running mine down to you. I like to keep mine on the full side because I always know if I need it, I've got it. Amen. So I want everybody to lift their hands up. I'm going to pray a short prayer. When I do, I just want you to yield to the Holy Ghost and let Him fill you up. Let Him refill you tonight full of the life and the Spirit of God. We're just, just for a couple of minutes, no more than like, like two minutes. Father, right now, in Your presence by Your power, fill us with the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God, we yield unto you. Send that fire. Send that fire. Send that fire upon us. Not in the tongues of men, but in the tongues of angels, in the tongues of languages we don't know. Now, refill every person. Now, now, with the Holy Ghost. Oh, Sabakala Tasahai. Eh, Sabakala Mandabasorabaha. Now what you yield, he'll fill. What you yield, let that fire come upon you. Don't try to control it. Let him come on you. Give him full liberty. Full liberty. Oh, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now worship God. Now worship God. Now worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. We worship you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord God. Now let us do this because our time is up. At least an hour and 15 minutes every night. Many nights, an hour and 20, hour and 25, sometimes an hour and 30 minutes. We've been praying in the Holy Ghost in the children's, the children's room. The least, I, I, I did the numbers yesterday, I think, when I was noticed. We get, I kind of conservatively rounded it out at 15. So 15 people praying 100 days is over 1,500 hours. Did you know that's 62 days? That's like one person praying for 62 straight days. Amen? If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I, I, I've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I, I, don't, I don't speak with tongues. Or you say this, I've just, I'm just really struggled with that. I've really struggled with that. I, I want you to come next week. And I promise you, if you will come, you will leave this time next Wednesday night you will be a Holy Ghost, tongue-talking dynamo. I guarantee you will be. 
And you'll have many opportunities next week to be filled with the Holy Ghost and refilled again and refilled so that the hunger of that, lift your hands. Now here tonight, here with your heart, with your spirit man on the inside, and know this, you must be filled with my spirit. The days ahead are dark and ominous. And there are things coming upon this earth in which you will need to make sudden and immediate decisions. And you shall desire to know, what does God want me to do? But if you will walk in the Spirit, be continually filled with the Spirit, I will always cause you to turn in the directions of my blessing, my provision, and my safety. There will be some that will miss it, turn the wrong direction, go the wrong way, and end up in destruction. Their flesh will be destroyed, but their souls will be saved. But you will continue to navigate progressively through the darkness of these last days. And you will shine with the glory of my light and life. There's no time for foolishness. There's no time to resist nor pull back. This is the day and the hour in which the hearts of my children must press wholly toward me in all that they do. That will be your salvation on this earth and your ability to shine as the light of God when everything around you is shaking and in turmoil. For I will grant you my peace I will grant you health. I will grant you provision and all that your Savior has purchased by the great sacrifice of redemption shall flow perpetually into your life. And there shall be an assurance in your heart. I am in the hands of my Father. No matter what comes my way, I shall reign victorious. And you shall fulfill the scripture written about this generation, given for signs and wonders in the earth. Yes, you will. And it shall be glorious. And you shall thank God that you know what you know and have what you have. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, remember, this is our prayer week for our Fall Harvest Conference. 
We invite you tomorrow night at 7.30 to come be with us. 6.30 on Friday night. Then we have our more praise, more prayer, more worship. What's that? I'm missing something? No? Okay. And then Saturday night at 6th and Sunday morning, we're going to kick it off. Glory to God. It's going to be a glorious time. Then after fall harvest, we have 12 days of prayer and intercession before we come to the election. And here's the assignment that we have as Island Church. I know you've heard me say it many times, but it's what God's given us. To pray over the process. The process remain pure. That out of the process, there'll either be a re-election of a sitting president without burning down the country or a peaceful transference of power to a new administration. Amen? We say the will of the Lord be, get, be done. Be sure and vote. You say, who do I vote for? Ask God. Tell him, I'll give you my vote. Tell me who you want me to vote for. He'll tell you. Amen? He'll tell you. You don't need me to tell you. He'll tell you. Amen? But that's our assignment, that there be no train wreck of, of voter fraud or anything like that from one side or the other or from any other foreign outside government or entity. Amen? That's been our assignment. And we trust we'll see a miracle Amen. on that night. Glory to God. Father, thank you so much for your presence tonight. Oh, it's so rich, so rich. Hard to leave, hard to go. Father, we thank you for your protection and safety over all the church. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. All of us that travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, thank you that we are protected. The righteous labor of our hands, those that work out in the ocean, those that work up in the plants, those that travel, everybody in education, our teachers, our students, our contractors, our business owners, we declare that no, 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 no accidents, no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Father, thank you for harvest, the door of utterance outside the four walls of the church. Let us be the salt and the light you've called us to be. Let each and every one of us during our day be sensitive to your spirit. As you, Father, bring us across the path as a laborer, an answer to somebody's prayer, miracle in their life, a problem to the devil. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We love you so much. We thank you for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, shout it out. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Lord. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.